Hi everybody, it's me, Ryan. I just wanted to come in and give a few notes before I play this episode for you. Uh, unfortunately, we ran into a technical some technical difficulties with uh, some of the audio, and uh, somehow during the recording of the podcast. To kind of give you an idea behind the scenes of what we do here is all three of the hosts actually record their own pot or record their own audio uh, locally where they are, and then uh, we combine the audio uh, into a cloud service, and then I take the audio and edit it together. Um, somehow on Zach's end, he ended up uh, his computer quit recording him uh, about an hour into the show. Um, so we, we, he's there for the first hour and then he sort of drops off. Um, so unfortunately we couldn't go back and attempt to, uh, try to redo the show or anything like that. So, uh, what is left is the audio that we have. So what I did is I put some, uh, cricket sounds in where it wouldn't make sense for me to edit out, uh, some things, um, but this is sort of a warning just as a, hey, we had some technical difficulties. We will learn from this, uh, from this problem. Uh, but if you hear the cricket sounds, that's when Zach's supposed to be making some sort of, uh, observation or something that wouldn't make sense if I just edited out the silence. Um, but if you do hear myself and Dustin reacting to certain things and it just sounds off, uh, just know that that might've been something that Zach might've said. Uh, but I didn't want to fill the audio with nothing but cricket sounds. So. Uh, bear with us, and uh, we appreciate that you're listening. Thank you. Hi, everybody. It's me, Ryan Moffitt from ROTM Radio. Just wanted to take a moment to let you know that you can download ROTM Radio via the Podbean app, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, and many, many more. If you cannot find ROTM Radio via your favorite listening podcast app, just go ahead and pull the RSS feed off of ROTMRadio.com. Oh, wait, should I do the music? And then the whole time while I'm doing it, you're just like, a long time ago. Uh, a far, far away. I don't know. I don't know if the, the mouth sounds would be uh, copyrighted or not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. That, but that I do crazy. appreciate the fact. That I mean, you, it is Disney, right? I do appreciate the fact that, that first note was like so loud that I almost wanted to rip my headphones off because that's <laughs> what they do in that song. Hello, everybody, and welcome to ROTM Radio, the official podcast of ROTMRadio.com. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan, and with me today is the barber to the constellations, Dustin Griffith. Hey, yo. Thank you, Dustin. And also with me today is a man in the middle of an identity crisis, Zach. 
Hey, what's going on? I'm fine. I. <coughs> All right. Oh, well, good deal. He can't quite figure it out. He can't figure it out. Uh, all right, everybody, welcome, welcome to ROTM Radio, uh, gentlemen. We are talking a new dawn today. Um, I am so excited. Me too. I'm also. I'm also pretty stoked about it. Uh, it'll be episode six, a new dawn. Um, but before we get into all that kind of stuff, gentlemen, how was your guys' week? How's everything been going? It's oh, been it was pretty v- good. Re- Go, go ahead. Yeah, it was uh, pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's, you know, a, that's I, about I it, us, you know. I usually go second, but, you know, you can take all the spotlight <laughs> if you want. <laughs> no. yeah, you know, I was, he's just, usually we're he's, both a little gun shy. I mean, and then this time, now he's, now he's, uh, he not only has an identity crisis of himself, but he, he thinks he's me. So. I am you. Mm-hmm. I guess you guys need me to, to number one, number two. <laughs> Just like. <laughs> Can you steer this ship, Ryan? <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Oh, my uh, gosh. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. Oh, that's not what they do on a ship. <laughs> uh, so, Zach, how was your week? Uh, my week was fine. Thanks for choosing me first. Um, You're welcome. Yeah, uh, you know, celebrated the greatest country in the world, uh, smoked a delicious brisket, um, and it it was pretty amazing. Fantastic. Yeah, I got to have some of that brisket, and uh, I'll tell you, it was was good. It was nice. I enjoyed it. Uh, Dustin, how was your week? It was pretty good. Um, I actually, uh, this week was another busy week um just kind of again doing the church stuff through the covid um now that we're we were doing live streams then we were back at service uh, but we actually had kind of an a, a people at our church get the virus and so um we are back down to live stream which means I'm back to work but this time with a full-time job so <laughs> Uh, it's been real busy, but um, got got some extra time this week to uh, delve into some of my uh, nerdy things. I actually turned my Xbox on for the first time probably in four months, which was really nice. So, um, but other than that, I it was it's one of those weeks where it was like just real busy, but it was all good busy and. Uh, I'm feeling good and uh, definitely spent five hours today finishing this book. And so uh, I am ready to go. It's fresh. <laughs> he got to turn on his Xbox, but uh spent five hours today finishing that book. <laughs> uh, and just so you, the listeners know, we are, you know, we all record separately, um, you know, so you know, don't be worried that uh, Dustin's passing, you know, COVID possibly to the rest of us or anything like that. I'm hoping, hoping you're taking your precautions, uh, Dustin, and you know, uh, all that good stuff. Yes, sir. Uh, I am. I actually did not come in contact with any of the people that received it, um, but still, definitely, uh, uh, 
actually, I, I am going to tell this story, if you don't mind, since it is the beginning of the podcast. Um, sure. But kind of what happened, um, and I hope it's okay, I won't name the family, but we had uh, a person in our congregation passed away this last week, so we, we were going to have a, f- a funeral uh, for them. And uh, basically when we went to uh, have this funeral, I guess on Saturday uh, we found out we were going to be having our youth week this week. And we were literally at the end of rehearsal for that youth week. Um, and my mom came in and she was like, guys, we're going to have to cancel the whole youth week um, and kind of church going forward and told us that a couple members of the family that were having the funeral tested positive, which was not good. Uh, that's rough. No, it wasn't. But so what we ended up doing, you know, they've already gotten the funeral ready and we have to, you know, go through and do all that. Um, we had to set everything up to where basically like when the family got there for the funeral, um, which the people that tested positive stayed home, but everyone else came and we had the doors opened for them where they could like walk right in and, uh, sit down. We weren't allowed to leave the platform. It was like a covert operation. It was really interesting. Um, so I, I didn't come within 20 feet of any of them, but, uh, it was, it was just a really, like you said, it was a sad time, but it was, it was interesting to say the least. Um, but yeah, it, it is definitely, it's hit Southern Illinois and we're just trying to, to make sure it doesn't hit the Griffith household. Yeah, that that definitely sucks, and uh, especially trying to navigate uh, this uh, temporary normal that we have going on. Um, you know, uh, hopefully this uh, junk gets done, and we can get back to our lives and stuff. That'd be nice, and you know. But yes. uh, good luck to the people out there. You know, um, wash your hands and stuff. <laughs> I, I appreciated your picture uh, on the fourth this week, Ryan. And and if you've not seen that, maybe we'll get it up in the show notes or something. But uh, <laughs> you're I'm I'm celebrating my freedom by not wearing a mask. <laughs> oh Did you gosh. like the annotation of the fact that I'm like I also didn't go anywhere, but it was my choice. <laughs> yes, yeah, it was wonderful. Uh, oh, that's yeah. funny. But um, yeah. Let's let's not get started on that because I don't I don't want to get into a mask or no mask debate. <laughs> isn't on this Ryan Radio. on the mic? No, oh, wait, <laughs> no, it's not. But Sorry. uh, yeah. So Reboot. um, <laughs> I've had a fairly interesting uh, last couple of days. At least I started um, a two week vacation, um, which mostly will be at home because, you know, it, it's difficult to travel right now and things. Uh, I was supposed to be. Um, in Southern Illinois for the next week or so, but it got, we, we had to cancel. Um, but I decided that I, I still wanted to take the time off work and, uh, hang out and stuff because, you know, like I was, uh, I'm one of those essential employees. So I, I didn't get a two week, uh, off or anything like that. Uh, I've been working <laughs> since the pandemic started, um, so, uh, you know, I actually had to, had to go ahead and take time off, but, um, yeah, so it's been interesting. Um, but 
uh, actually something that's interesting that happened to me today is uh, for the first time in my life, I <laughs> I got in the mailbox a summons um, from the Maricopa County uh, Courthouse uh, for jury duty. <laughs> what? Yeah. I didn't hear about this. I mean, I literally just got the mail like an Dang. hour ago. Yeah. Um, so I'm like... I'm like, oh That's man, spicy. what's that mean? Like, like, you know, like I kind of don't want to do it because like my time, but at the same time, I'm also like, I kind of want to do my civic duty and like, you know, I, but I, I have no idea. I have no idea what it, what it is because obviously I wouldn't know until, um, do, do you get an option to decline? No, I've already been assigned a like group number and stuff like uh well i meant, I meant like because you said that you're like you don't know if you want to do or not but i was like what well how, i mean like like as far as i don't know whether or not like i mean there's ways to get out of it but like do i as far as do i push to get out of it kind of thing mm-hmm. like is I, this your first one yeah i've never done it before so um I guess depending on what it what it was, like if I could find out beforehand, like if it's if it's some like groundbreaking case that's gonna be studied for years, like sure, I wanna be on that jury. But if it's like Johnny got a speeding ticket, then I'm gonna be like, No, it's not worth my time, I don't care. You know. Um Yeah, I don't I don't think that you're gonna be summoned for that. I'd hope not. Well no, well, but as we like, learned in this as we're going to learn in this episode, you can't say no to the government. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I just, I, I've got to follow up and stuff, but um, yeah. Uh, like I said, it's kind of interesting yeah. to, you know, I've only heard on, I've only seen it on movies or something where they do some obscene things to try and get out of jury duty, but I don't know what you could actually do in that manner. Legally, you, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I'm assuming that's one yeah. thing, though. I was actually thinking about the fact that, like, I work then, like, I work at night, and you know, maybe that's one of those. Like, if I want to get out of it, I'll be like, "Look, I'm dead during the day. Do you really want me taking naps during, you know, your trial? Like, you know, <laughs> like if I really yeah. want to get Dang out of it? Well, well, no. Trial. With with jury duty, though, you you don't. I'm pretty sure that you don't go to work. Well, well no, time. you don't go to work, but it would be interfering okay. with my normal schedule of when I sleep. So, therefore, I would not be able to be fully cognitive, even though I could. But if it's something I really don't care about, then I'll be like, you know, no, I'm not going to be able to just sit here and not, like, take a nap in the middle of your trial. I don't know. It's interesting because I, I definitely like. I'm assuming that you'd have to, you'd be able to find out what kind of case it is, but um, like they're not going to put that. Like literally, the summons is a postcard. I almost threw it away by like I literally just handed it to my wife. Like here's some mail, and she goes, "Um, this is a jury <laughs> summons," and I was like, "What?" Hmm. <laughs> so um, that makes me wonder if I've ever gotten them and just not just throw it away. Mail. Yeah, threw it away. Yeah. That's, well, yeah, because yeah. it literally, like, the one for here was literally a uh, it was a postcard. So, 
I don't know how that would work. It's like, that's good interesting. To see you should do it just for the experience. <laughs> yeah, that, well, that's that's the other thing to too. Is like, I would, I think, for the experience, you know, um, and then part of, part of me is like, you know, I don't, I don't know if I want to be, you know, what if it's like a murder trial or something that goes on for months and months, you know, because um, once you start down that path as a as a juror, you know, you you can't really back out, you know. Well, that's why I said is the Scranton Strangular case. You just, you know, you talk about it. Oh, my God. It. I'm Toby Flenderson. No. <laughs> you are. You just, <laughs> you become obsessed with it for the rest of your life. That's usually what happens. So I've seen. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I really don't know. But we'll see. I don't know. Um, I'm sure uh, I'm sure if I have to go forward with it that I won't be able to talk about it here on the podcast. But uh what I can talk about, I will. <laughs> so, like there was this dude, and there was a weapon. Yeah, <laughs> and you yeah, know me, I'm a law, mustard I'm a law and order kind of guy. So I said uh, I was the one holdout that was like guilty. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so, um, yeah, we'll we'll see. I don't know. I, I keep people updated as much as I can, which, like I said, uh, legally, I don't know. I'd have to look. I, I have to look into that. But, um, yeah, we'll find out. So, um, real quick, guys, I wanted to ask you, um, I, I came across a kind of a hilarious uh, thing that was happening on Twitter. Um, so, uh, this and this goes back to the fact that we had already done the book uh, Ahsoka um, back on episode one, uh, and it was a lot of fun, but... Uh, I came across. I came across. Apparently, the internet was making fun of uh, Mark Hamill, who everyone should know uh, is the actor who plays uh, Luke Skywalker. Um, who? Yeah, Mark Hamill. Nope. Yeah. I don't know. Just actor. I don't enough. know the other guy you mentioned. Yeah. Okay. Have you ever watched Star Wars? <laughs> yes, he has. I, I can, can I can attest to that. You, I was there. <laughs> I was there. <laughs> Whatever he says, it's a lie. <laughs> um, but so Mark Hamill, I, I guess he was asked by somebody, and I don't know exactly where this got started, but um, he got asked uh, by somebody about Ahsoka Tano. And apparently he was like, Ahsoka who? <laughs> like didn't know, uh, didn't know who Ahsoka Tano was. And I mean, why, why would Mark Hamill, I mean, besides being finger on the pulse of star wars and he's such a star wars uh star and stuff like that why you know he's never been in anything with you know uh, ahsoka or the characters have never met as far as we know um so and and of course mark hamill's just a person you know you don't expect every star wars person out there to know everything about star wars you know they all can't be me's and (laughs) you know other people um, and I don't even know everything about Star Wars, so it's it's cool. Um, but it's really funny, so I guess people have been giving him crap on Twitter, you know, lightheartedly. And uh, if you don't follow Mark Hamill on Twitter, you should, because some of his stuff is is uh, really funny. And uh, he definitely seems to reach out to fans and ha- have fun with fans, and it's, so it's cool to see. Uh, so he tweeted today, because um, uh, I guess people were calling him out being like, how do you not know who Ahsoka Tano is, but you know who Ashley Eckstein is? <laughs> like, you know, because they've met. And I'm like, you know, obviously actor, actress, whatever. And uh, so Mark Hamill uh, tweeted out, uh, he said, relax, everyone. Of course, I know Ahsoka Tano. Note to self, 
binge watch hashtag Clone Wars ASAP and apologize to Ashley Eckstein next time I see her. (laughs) 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 So I thought it was a, I thought it was a pretty funny, like, like, uh, you know, just, just taking a stab at himself a little bit there and just being like, you know, of course I know who she is. Note to self, figure out who Ahsoka Tano is now. (laughs) So, is he not, and this, forgive me all the Star Wars fans that um, are going to hate me for asking questions like this, but isn't he known as somebody who kind of criticizes George Lucas a little bit? Uh, I have no idea, honestly. I, I know there's, I mean, there might be, but usually like when... Like the story making? Well, just, just about, uh, like he's almost... Nah. I don't even know if the right word would be. I don't know exactly how to even describe it, but I was watching a video the other day and it was on how the original actor that played Darth Vader, um, when he found out that Morgan Freeman was going to be, uh, or uh, not Morgan Freeman, uh, James Earl Jones was going to be the voice of Darth Vader. He got really upset and he went kind of on this i guess there was a there was a a documentary that came out that was really like criticizing george lucas and they they oh, tried yeah. to get luke for it um, i i don't know if luke had anything to do with that but i do know he that he didn't like um he almost did and then they said and uh he said he almost did but he could kind of tell that it had a slant kind of anti george lucas um, but then from that, it took me to a video of where he had just made a bunch of statements about, um, kind of what he thought should have happened with the characters, even before the new movies. And just, you know, he just was very opinionated, opinionated about star Wars, which, you know, kind of made you exciting that, you know, an actor's not just like, Oh yeah, that was a movie I played. Like he understood kind of the gravity of the series and and just like how important fans took it, and so he enough to weigh in and you know give his opinion on you know the characters, um, and you know to to the point in this specific video it was talking about he had criticized Lucas for a few things and and the guy who was doing the video said and we all know he's known to criticize Lucas and i was like really like, i mean that might be like possible a, i mean but like they I, don't have a relationship anymore i may be wrong that may be a total like I have, looking i into honestly it. i have no idea i do know though that the the actor who um plays darth vader uh like after like he is not allowed to come to any sort of um which I'm assuming, like I'm making a giant assumption here, I'm just assuming the actor who played Darth Vader is dead probably by now. I I, I don't know. Um, but I do know that he did a bunch of stuff criticizing George Lucas and also uh, he got in trouble because he spoiled the whole uh, no, I am your father thing uh, for tons of fans back when the movie uh, yeah. Uh, back when Empire Strikes Back was kind of on the media so circuit, that's, like that's he what let this out. video was about, and they it actually said that he was not the one that spoiled it. Um, they thought he did, but he actually 
it was like there was some like article that had come out that was actually the thing that had spoiled it. He just quoted the article, but because he was the one, you know, the article wouldn't have really gotten anywhere if wouldn't it have gotten any play. For, right. It was the fact that it was him that did it. But he also being such a vocal against George Lucas already uh, didn't help him at all. And uh, right. like I said, as far as Mark Hamill is concerned, I don't know. I think if he was overly vocal, he wouldn't be in the films today. That's um, true. But at the same time, I mean, I don't know. Mark Hamill's playing Luke Skywalker, a guy you can see the whole time. And the guy, like, I can't even think of the guy's name who played Darth Vader because he's behind a mask the whole time, except for his effed up looking face. Um, well, and so when they that pull the helmet off, the guy that played the Darth Vader or that has his voice or his face come out, that isn't even the guy that played him. So basically, maybe I should just sit. I'll I'll post the video, but the guy that plays Darth Vader um, for the whole movie was so angry. I, I guess he either didn't show up to work or they basically told him not to show up to work. And at the very end, he, uh, they had somebody else cast the, the, the face coming off. And so that's part of like the whole beef between them is one that his own voice doesn't get to be on there. And two that, at the end because they were already in such a fight. I guess he didn't show up to work. And so they said, okay, you're done. And then they filmed that one scene where his helmet comes off without him. Yeah. I had to look really into it. Interesting. And, and that's what kind of created the whole beef between them. Yeah. I, I I do remember there was a lot of controversy with that person uh, specifically, but I don't know. I do know there's a lot of there was a lot of rules as far as like, um, like you couldn't you weren't allowed to criticize George Lucas or the franchise very much, and um, but obviously, I mean, people have opinions. You can't just you can't just censor them completely. Um, Nonsense. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I mean, yeah. If you wanna, if you wanna get the link to that, uh, Dustin, and um, maybe throw it on the Discord or something. That way, people can watch it. And uh, you know. Yeah, and one other thing. This is the last little thing, and then we can go into the uh, actual, the actual story. But um, I'm, and I'm sure you're aware. Are you aware of the George Lucas Steven Spielberg deal? Did you have you seen anything on that? Nope. Okay, so this is I just saw this, but basically, it, it and I just pulled it up here. It says George Lucas made a 1977 bet with Steven Steven Spielberg that has cost him 40 million over the last several decades, and and I read the whole thing. Basically, what happened is they were both making films. Lucas was making Star Wars, and I don't know what it was that Spielberg was making, but it was a movie that didn't get very much. And they basically made an agreement, whichever movie uh, like sold the most, the other one, like the person who lost the bet, got a certain royalty 
on that movie, and they both agreed to it. Well, not only did Lucas win, but he won by a landslide, obviously. And so now, like, Spielberg, it says that he won $40 million over the decades off of Star Wars just for making that bet with Lucas. And it, whatever oh, wow. the movie was, or it may have been that they both said that they're each going to get 10% or whatever of each respected movie. And Spielberg's movie that they did the bet on just tanked where Star Wars became Star Wars. So it's like the best deal that Spielberg's ever made. So wait, well, Spielberg bet against his own film? They both kind of, it, they were both kind of no-name producers from what I understand at this time. And so they both said, hey, why don't, if you're making this film, I'm making this film. Why don't we give each other a guaranteed royalty percentage out of each other's movie? And that way, if one of us hits it big, it's basically double the chance that each of us make it big. And uh, and in that, Spielberg got really rich off of Star Wars while Lucas got nothing from Spielberg's movie because his movie didn't do anything. Which is funny because <laughs> Spielberg obviously has made great films since whatever that exactly. we would have to figure out what movie it was, but yeah. Here, let uh, me. I I can let me pull it. Up. I I've got the article here, but I just I didn't go into it. Let's see. It was. Um, Close Encounters. That from Spielberg the third made. kind. <laughs> Interesting. I've never seen the movie, so. <laughs> and therein lies <laughs> the good deal. <laughs> yeah. So, well, that's interesting because it's like it, it almost seems like. Um, I mean, I can see where they probably bet, like you know, like oh, my like almost like jawing at each other a little bit, like my movie's going to do better than your movie. No, it's not. Oh yeah, well, how about if you think your movie's that great? Like, give me give me royalties from it, you know, or whatever. Yeah. I think it was more like both of them were just like, hey, we're buddies. Let's just give each other. I, I don't think it was like a competition thing. I think it was more like, yeah, hey, that, if that you make it big. That would be a weird, big... really weird term <laughs> for a competition. <laughs> yeah, right. like a lottery thing. Like, all right, if, if either of us win the lottery, we got to make sure to take care of the other. Exactly. That's kind of what it was. And uh, basically, Lucas just took care of Spielberg. And then, you know. <laughs> Who's your daddy, Spielberg? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, from that day forward, Spielberg has to call him daddy behind closed doors. <laughs> That's funny. Um, well, that is interesting, but it's not uh, not really on topic of what we're talking about today. Um, but that's okay because, uh, you know, speaking we like, of the we like Star Wars chat. universe, yeah. Speaking of stuff that's made George Lucas money and continues to, um, you know, let's uh, let's go on an adventure into the uh, into the expanded universe, and uh, uh, Zach is going to be giving us a spoiler-free summary. But before that. A 
A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, the hosts of ROTM Radio take the book A New Dawn by author John Jackson Miller and break it down for you, the listener. And now, with a spoiler-free summary by Just Zach. Hello there, I'm going to be giving you a delicious spoiler-free summary, um, the publisher summary actually does a pretty good job of everything I want to do, so I'm just going to use it for this one. Uh, Ever since the Jedi were marked for death and forced to flee Coruscant, Kanan Jarrus has devoted himself to staying alive rather than serving the Force. Wandering the galaxy alone from one anonymous job to another, he avoids trouble, especially with the Empire, at all costs. So when he discovers a deadly conflict brewing between ruthless Imperial forces and desperate revolutionaries, he's not about to get caught in the crossfire. Then the brutal death of, be- <clears throat> then the brutal death of a friend at the Empire's hands forces the ex-Jedi to make a choice. Bow down to fear or stand up and fight. But Jarrus won't be fighting alone. Unlikely allies, including a bomb-throwing radical, a former Imperial surveillance agent, a vengeful security officer, and the mysterious Hera Sindola, an agent provocateur with motives of her own, team up with Jarrus to challenge the Empire. As a crisis of apocalyptic proportions unfolds on the planet Gorse, they must stand together against one of the Empire's most fearsome enforcers for the sake of a world and its people. All done! <laughs> it just gets bigger and better every time. I appreciate that. By the way, Zach, oh, I gotta say before dust sorry, Dustin, I gotta cut you off here, but uh whatever you were doing in that moment, wherever you were sitting, like microphone wise, like it was crisp, it was beautiful, it was powerful. Projection, my brother. It was oh it was it was good. I felt it. Oh, I'm glad. Yes, uh, I like ahead, to Dustin. make others happy. It was it was very well done, and it felt like you really, you really got into that summary. It was like like it was the most important thing you've ever read. So I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, as for so for New Dawn, um, uh, I thought uh, I really enjoyed the book. Uh, I will say, um, you know, this book is. It's kind of a prequel to the Rebel series. If any, if you're familiar, listeners, with uh, the Star Wars Rebels, which you can watch on Disney, and I think we, I believe, we're going to be also covering at some point. Um, but this is it was a prequel, kind of to let you kind of get to know uh, Kanan Jarrus um, and Hera, and what is her last name? Cindula. Cindula, there it is. Yes. Um, I mean, I was actually going to say, I mean, I know that we kind of lifted Zach's spirits there, but I was going to make him crash back down and let him know that uh, um, uh, Coruscant, not uh, Coruscant or whatever he said, and uh, uh, Harris Cindula, because uh, he pronounced that. Coruscant. <laughs> Coruscant? Yeah, <laughs> you said Coruscant, yeah. and I was like, wait, what? It's like, uh, we're going to get killed for that. <laughs> um, yeah, so... Uh, I, I felt like the droid... In a moment... Go ahead. Uh, well, I, I just... I actually thought that I had been saying it wrong. 
because of the way it's because spelled? I, well, well, I, I've heard it. I feel like I've heard I've heard it said like that before, enunciating the C. But I'm like, surely it's like it, it's it, it's like together, like scent, not skint. You know. Yeah, well, it was um, funny to me because like I'm I'm sitting here actually looking at the word when you said it, and I was like. I've never noticed the C before, just because I've only heard it pronounced uh, Coruscant. But I, I almost felt like yeah, the, yeah. Uh, I psyched myself out. That, that's I'm like, wait, <laughs> I'm like Coruscant. Wait, that that kind of sounds right now. Well, it's kind of like but, uh, but, I felt like the the droid in Episode One, uh, a Phantom Menace, where uh, Qui Gon Jinn's like, you know, the droid's like, halt, where are you taking these people? And he's like, uh, we're taking them to Coruscant, and. But he uses he puts a G on the front of it, and they're like they're like uh uh Gorzant, that does not compute uh you're under arrest and <laughs> like <laughs> I'm sitting there just going Coruscant what <laughs> what <laughs> that's not right <laughs> but I digress Coruscant <laughs> um anyway yeah no, sorry kidding. go ahead Dustin um, no you're good. Um, but so yeah, this it just uh, it's kind of giving you kind of the story on how um, we know Kanan and Hera are two of the main characters of Rebels, and so this is kind of the backstory to them. Um, Kanan is a or was I should say a Jedi, um, and uh, back he was actually a Jedi in training, um, kind of back when order 66 happened and for those of you that don't know that was um where the empire let's just say turned on the jedi and wiped most of them out kanan's one of the few jedi that actually was able to stay alive and so uh he basically as most of the jedi that stayed alive went into hiding and has kind of traveled from world to world and so I really liked kind of this first scene and I, I was watching a review on the book as well after after I watched it and the first scene we kind of get young um, and I believe it's Caleb, is it Bloom or Moon? Doom. I think Caleb Moon. It's I Caleb think. Doom. Doom, there it's it is. It's spelled D-U-M-E but it sounds like D-O-O-M. Yes, I'm sorry. I should have, I should have wrote some of this down here. I'm gonna pull the wiki. That's page why. Up that's so why you got me. In. That's why you have Ryan in the room with you. <laughs> that's that's true. Yeah, I was thinking D O O M. <laughs> I, I'm like, oh yeah. Dude. I I thought it, for some reason it was Moon, like M O O N. But um, anyway, I should have. You know, when you that's when you when you uh, listen to the audiobook, Sometimes it's it's a little. You don't the you know his that name was not said very much because it was only kind of at the beginning. But which, by the uh, way, I gotta ask you guys, uh, uh, what did you think about the narration in this book? Because the narrator, uh, Mark Thompson, who I, I guess I I should probably wait to tell you this, but I gotta say he's my favorite uh, audiobook narrator for Star Wars, hands down. Like, what what did you guys think about him? Uh, th- yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, either one of you. <laughs> you just go pretend that the, he, Ryan can cut this out. You go first. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I've had a small sample size, so 
Um, I mean, just the, just the I, fact that because uh, I mean he was good, so well, I, mean, uh, I, I liked um, who, who did Ahsoka. Yeah. Ashley Eckstein did Ahsoka, and it's one of those things where it's oh, like yeah. she did a she did a decent job of like you know putting different different voices on the different characters, but they were all still very effeminate, I guess. You know, yeah, uh, with her voice well, and stuff. And that's one of the things that's really hard with if you like a character in the book that you l- like a lot. I know on the Halo side, uh, there's been a couple uh, read by Steve Downs, which is the voice of Master Chief. And it's always weird hearing Master Chief's voice do a girl, you know, like that he's that Master Chief is talking to. And it's always cool to hear Master Chief actually talk. You know, right. same thing with Ahsoka. It was really cool to hear Ahsoka actually talk. But for all the other characters, it's like, oh, that's that's a little weird. I agree. I felt like this guy, it was amazing. Um, like, he did such a good job with the all the different races and all the different people. Honestly, when I first heard Vidian, I was like, I immediately pictured... Darth Vader and I immediately started like like when I saw the picture of Vidian I was complete that was not what I was thinking because in my mind I was still like I associated because of how good his voice was I associated his voice with Darth Vader and then I was like okay so it's Darth Vader with a couple differences you know um and they explained what he looks like in the book but you know you kind of automatically put a like a picture with a voice and then you see the picture and you're like, oh, oh, he looks totally different than Darth Vader, <laughs> you know? So uh, it was, it was, that was interesting, but I thought he did good. Now I will say my only complaint, and it's not even a complaint, they, he did it so well. Zaluna's voice, I just hate <laughs> the sound of Zaluna's voice so much. And when she would talk, I'd be like, oh, it's just like, nails on a chalkboard for me but it's that's how her race talks so it definitely was right i just was sick of hearing it (laughs) well it is funny because mark thompson has done i think like 27 star wars books or something like that um i you know it's it's really funny because i will look at a star wars book that has a not a great rating on it and if it has Mark Thompson uh, narrating it, I will automatically go ahead and get it. Because I've listened to other books that didn't have great ratings, that didn't have Mark Thompson at, you know, narrating it, and I'm sitting there going, well, no wonder it's got a terrible rating. <laughs> you know, like, uh, <laughs> well, needless to say, I am a fan of Mark Thompson's uh, uh, voiceover work with, within the Star Wars universe. And I, I'd love to hear, I don't know if he's, I don't know if he's narrated other things as well. I, I should look that up at some point. Um, but I, I got to tell you, if we ever hit some of the, some of the books where he's actually doing voices of, you know, like Luke Skywalker, uh, Leia, uh, Han Solo, he pulls them off so well. And, wow. and he actually does a really good Leia, but it's, He's a he's a guy, and it's, so it's like you can you can still hear some of the m- more, I guess, manliness in his voice. I don't really know the correct way to say that, but masculine, yeah, masculinity in his voice. Um, 
but at the same time like it just it's just done so well and and obviously he's got a lot of help with like you know like like Vidian's voice was you know obviously he's not making all that sound with just his he just right. his vocal cords like he's he's gotten a lot of help but the you know the stuff that goes into these books is really great and that's why but I, I will that's say, why I suggest people know, should get audible all the time just do it <laughs> yes yes audiobook is the way to audiobooks are the way to go and audio i i really like audible for uh that now especially let me just say this sidebar being somebody who just read this book just today um it was really nice having the you know 1.4 feature <laughs> as opposed to, to having to either do it in like 2.0 where it's like i can't understand or can't you know have to rewind it 17 times because i <laughs> i can't really keep up or it's just you know, the normal speed where I can't get done any quicker. So that, that was super nice, but uh, I digress. Um, but which, I thought just to let you guys know, as far as what we have in order of books, the next three books we are doing, which is the Canon, the, uh, the Canon uh, Thrawn trilogy, uh, all three books are narrated by Mark Thompson. So if yeah. you enjoyed him, then good, because we're going to have more of them. You're going to get more of them. <laughs> So but, uh, I know. Sorry, that was like a long digression because I just wanted to. I just wanted to fanboy out a little bit over Mark Thompson. Hey, it, uh, it's, and completely I, interrupted I can tell. you there. It definitely makes the, you know, that it it makes the books more enjoyable when they really go out of their way. You know, because there's, you know, again, and I not to just constantly bringing it up, but really the only books I I've ever read up until this point of any series or franchises, Halo. And I like some of the voice actors for the, the Halo series, but sometimes like you'll get a guy with a certain accent and then everybody in the, you know, in the thing kind of has a similar accent, you know, that kind of thing. And so, um, you know, being, especially that star Wars is much more specific on characters that are seen you know, he's he's a lot of these characters are to, you know seen in a show or in a movie. Now, let me ask you: was was he not the voice of Kanan in Rebels? Because I'm going to say, uh, if he was not the voice of Kanan in Rebels, then he's really good because it was identical. I mean, completely identical. I'm looking that up real quick. Voice of Kanan is Freddie Prince Jr. Oh my gosh! <laughs> really? <laughs> yep. Oh my gosh! It, it's it's uh, Freddie. It is from Scooby Doo. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's nuts. Um, I had no idea. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't realize that. Well, you know, actually, I gotta say, it's funny because, and I don't know if it was meant to be. Like, I know we're just way off in the weeds, but you know what? It's okay, because we do that. Um, you know, Dustin, you actually said something about, you know, this this story, this story sort of being Kanan and Hera's sort of uh, prequel to Rebels, their story. And I, I sort of disagree a little bit, because um, I think this is more of Kanan's story then really, obviously, this is the story of how Kanan and Hera meet, and they'll go on to do bigger and better things in the show Rebels. But right. 
I think the overall arc of the entire story was really Kanan's journey, and 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 I really liked the way that John Jackson Miller portrayed Kanan uh, in this book because it was it was very interesting to me to know like okay, you kind of think about like Jedi and hiding, you know, um, like uh, you know they're 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 a Jedi, so you you expect them to act a certain way. Kanan does not act what I would think a Jedi should act like uh, at all as a Jedi in hiding because he's legitimately trying to hide himself not only from the Empire, but he's trying to get away from the Force because he feels like the Force has failed him and or the Force has never really brought him anything except for harm. And uh, so the way they portray so him pain. as like this just a drunk or like this drunk womanizer, which is a hilarious image of a, of a Jedi. Like I said, um, he almost comes off sounding like Han Solo, the way he said some things. And I don't know if that was Mark Thompson's version of Han Solo that I was hearing, or if that's what I was supposed to be feeling when I was looking at the character of Kanan. I think it was. And let me just say, I, I agree. I think this story is the story of Kanan. I was more so meaning it was just how they met. You know, it was the story of how they met um, and in relation to Rebels. But, yeah, this is definitely Kanan's story. And um, as I was going to say, my probably one of my top three scenes in the entire book was the beginning and seeing his interaction with... Um, Obi-Wan at the beginning as a youngling and why I really liked that was because he was it it was really interesting you know and one thing that Star Wars kind of sets a precedent for is that the Jedi Jedi usually they have different qualities that make them special they usually every they different Jedi do different things that like are kind of like they're I don't want to say for specialty, but basically kind of it's like that's their thing. And, um, you know, he was he asked a lot of questions and he was really insightful. And that whole first scene was interesting to me. And then you turn around and you see that he is completely the opposite. You know, he was super introspective. He was super uh I don't, intelligence, the wrong word. I mean, he was intelligent, but like he was very um, serious and very, he wanted to learn and wanted to know. And then you almost get a sense that because of what happened, and like you said, he blamed the force um, for what happened. He's turned that off and kind of, hey, I don't want to think about this. I want to just drink and, you know, find women and and do that whole thing. And so you see him kind of turn off the thing that made him a Jedi. And um, one uh, one other thing I was going to say, which this is something that I would love, Ryan. We've had this discussion off air. But, you know, I've always said since becoming kind of a pseudo Star Wars fan that, and I've been seeing that it's, it's a little bit more of an opinion it like a, it's a broader opinion than he, I thought it was just me who felt this way, but a lot of people it seems like feels this way as well. But, um, I you know the feeling that the Jedi's dogmatic approach 
is one of the things that causes a lot of times their undoing. And it causes, you know, for example, with Ahsoka, you know, the way that they handled Ahsoka, she ends up leaving the, the Jedi Order. And think about, you know, what role she may have played with keeping Anakin if she was still there, you know. Um, and and this is just another example of someone kind of bitter with his training, bitter with what happened, you know, with the Order 66. Uh, he's got all these things that, you know, he's he's frustrated about. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that the Jedi was such a, you know, they went far beyond, you know, kind of the light side. They they hid away secrets they didn't want other the Jedi to know that, you know, like even I just saw the other day that they hid um, Sith, like Sith artifacts in the Jedi temple. And only a few people knew that. So th- those kind of things, like they were very... Um, they weren't as goody two shoes as you thought they were. And you see this in a lot of the people that leave and especially around order 66 look back on that experience negatively. Um, now obviously order 66 was so traumatic that that would cause anybody, you know, and the fact that the, uh, the empire is going after, you know, any Jedi that are still alive that also contributes to that. But it, it just is really interesting seeing Kanan go from this very thoughtful being and not to get into too many spoilers on Rebels, but even into Rebels, you see kind of this, he doesn't totally get back to that, you know, because he's very... Yeah, there's a very uh, large reluctance. Yes, very large reluctance because of what he experienced. And it's just really interesting seeing that contrast and how he goes from that. Um, Even to the point, this is the last thing I'll say on it, even to the point that the only reason he even puts on his lightsaber at the end of this book is so that somebody doesn't find out that he is a Jedi. Um, cause if you notice, he puts the lightsaber around his leg, but he never uses it. Um, and even in probably the most pivotal point where he could just wipe Vidian out, he doesn't do it because he just, you know, he's kind of put that in the past. And so it's just really interesting seeing his character. Yeah, that's great, and and I will say this before I forget this point, and then, uh, Zach, I'll let you jump in here. Um, To that point, that whole, he's setting it behind him, that is one thing I will say about uh, Kanan and Hera's story is the fact that it's kind of a beautiful thing where Hera will understand that he is a Jedi by the end of the book, but will respect him enough to not push or pry about it. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, she's almost says like, you know, he's got a story to tell and I'll wait for when he wants to tell it. And, and she I, doesn't I, expose expose him either at the one point where uh Zaluna's like, you know, do you think that Skelly's alive? And and he's like she's like, No. Or I guess uh Kanan says no, he's not and she's like, Well, are you sure? And 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 kind of Hera kind of keeps that secret safe and but is like no he he's got a feeling you know just kind of like don't press that issue he knows 
You know, he yeah, she don't press really the issue expose... of how he knows, but he knows. Right, right. And, you know, obviously, because it kind of looks like Zaluna's going to start questioning and, and getting in it. And, you know, Hera's like, no, don't, don't worry about it. He knows, you know. And you can tell she knows in that process why, but she's just trying to help him keep that under wraps. Exactly. No, that's great. Yeah, uh, um, so, Zach, what did you... Where's your thoughts? Well, on uh, here? well, I, 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 I agreed with, or I like where uh, Dustin, Dustin bringing up the, um, the thoughts about the Jedi not being, uh, not being like goody two shoes. I, I, that that was something that I, uh, you know, I that that was my idea about the Jedi is, you know, they're, they're the greatest and they can't do any wrong and. Uh, I, I never really thought about other people's perspective uh, viewing what happened um, during the after aftermath of Order 66. Uh, especially, like, I have no idea how some of these things were um, construed or presented, you know, whenever you have one of your own being Anakin who goes around slaughtering uh, a bunch of people. For one, uh, which, uh, but I never, I never thought about like the, uh, again, like how others, their perspective of, I don't know, kind of the, kind of a bitterness towards it. Um, well, I mean, you see, you see examples, you know, it's really interesting, like, you know, and again, not to be super spoiler, um, but for the Clone Wars, you have a character in there that sees that, the hey, the way the Jedi is doing this, it, you know, is going to lead to the demise of the Jedi to the point where she actually rebels against the Jedi and all, and is the reason that Ahsoka leaves the Jedi. Um, and, you know, they're just, and a lot of, you know, a lot of the whole Palpatine or Sidious being able to get away with a lot of the stuff he gets away with is because the Jedi are so arrogant and they want to save their own skin and keep their place as the rightful, you know, the heirs of, you know, we are the guardians of all things good. And rather than take an inventory of their own stuff and you see Anakin kind of falls away, Ahsoka walks away, um, you know, they just all at the end, they, and I think a lot of them realize what they did and, and how wrong they were. Um, even if you've watched the new movies, Yoda, you know, when he meets with Luke and he fries the, the tree and wipes out the history of the Jedi, he's like, you don't need this because we we had a lot of failure. And so don't don't follow this. It's it's just really interesting. But you see that here with Kanan. Now that I've spoiled the whole Star Wars story, uh, <laughs> you see that you see that with Kanan in that he's, you know, I think at one point in the book, if I'm not mixing it up with Ahsoka, but it says that it was it was always there for me, and then it wasn't, or it, it turned on me. And so I vowed never to use it again. Um, you know, or I think he was, he said it was supposed to save us. 
and then everybody died. It didn't save. It was it what was his master's name? Um, uh, Depa Balaba. Yeah, and he said it was supposed to save Depa Balaba, and then, uh, but it didn't. And so after that, he vowed never to use it again. He was so angry that you know the force was not able to save her. Um, well, and, and it's interesting too because uh, a couple times in this book, even uh, I think Kanan even says something about the fact that like he's he's been trying to get away from the force and not use it, but the force it's almost like the force is like you know you can't keep me bottled up in here, like because he'll have moments where the force saves him from you know death, like when he has to. There was a cave in on the on the moon Cinda. And he had to like leap him and another person to safety, and you know, without him really trying to even use the force, the force was there, and it was a moment of, you know, I don't want the force around, but the force right. has a mind of its own. Well, and again, it, it it goes to that the Jedi do not have the exclusive right to the force, which is a whole different conversation that I won't bring up, but <laughs> that's, that's one thing I will say is, uh, you know, to people who, who want to say like, you know, there's the people, the people that just watch the movies or just watch the TV shows, um, who don't get into the books, who don't get into the expanded universe. Um, why I think the expanded universe is important is because of these different points of view as far as, like I said, you know, when when we're all looking at, oh, rebels are always good, you know, Jedi are always good, Empire always bad, guess what? We're going to be introducing you in a couple months here to what I consider to be a good Imperial. And because there's whole different sides to, you know, the whole thing, like, mm -hmm. uh, you know, us as Americans, we're always sitting here going, you know, our country's really good, but guess what? We we did some bad things in World War II to some people who probably didn't deserve it, and we don't know about that until we get out of school because we're not taught it there, you know, and, and have to find it because there's some darkness that's, you know, in the shadow of the light of the good, you know, that sometimes we have to stare it down. Um, so that's why I think the EU or the expanded universe is very important, you know, um, and yeah, it's a little nerdy. I thought you were going to talk uh, about the European Union for a moment. <laughs> no, no, no. I was like, uh, where are we going? <laughs> no. Uh, I was just using, you know, obviously America as a you know, comparison to, you know, Empire and, you know, or or Rebels and all that kind of stuff. But um, that being said, it's just like, it, it's it's interesting to get these different. It's not always good and bad. It's not black and white. There's a lot of areas of gray, you know. There's not necessarily well, 50 think, shades of them, but, you know, there's a lot of gray. I think you oh, even the see gray that. gray Jedi. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I think you even see it later with Sloane a little bit. Um, you know, she's clearly been trained in the ways of the Empire. Clearly still, um, she's not perfect by any means. But, like, when she realizes you know, without getting too ahead of ourselves, she realizes what Vidian is doing. You know, she's like, no, this has got to be stopped. You're, you're acting, you're, you're trying to destroy a planet for no, for your own gain. You know, it's like, she's still Imperial. Cause she's like, if you were doing it for the empire, then it's okay. But 
just for your own gain, it's that's not okay. And you see that, like, even in her, like, there's there's some redeeming qualities um, where she's not just a pawn in the Imperials army. She's she's actually, I mean, she has the ambition of just being kind of a part of it, but she still, like, actually thinks of the consequences of what's going to happen. And, you know, so it isn't, it isn't just black and white, you know, Imperial versus Rebel. There are some, uh, there's some ways there. And I, I think it's also interesting, again, the Jedi have always been taught that they kind of, the their way of looking at the Force is the only right way. And so because of that, the Force didn't really do anything um, to Kanan or anything. It, it was more so the Jedi's teaching and, and uh, the way they taught it was that, hey, you'll never, you know, even with the whole intro scene, uh, they say, you know, you'll never need us to not, you'll never need to send everybody away from Coruscant. Just won't happen. And, you know, at least Obi-Wan recognizes, hey, this kid may be on to something. But everybody else is like, nah, you won't need that. We're, we're, we're too, the Force wouldn't do that to us. We wouldn't have any need to do that. But Kanan, because they taught that so staunchly, Kanan is like, but guess what? Order 66 happens, and where was the Force? You know, so because of the way the Jedi taught it, it really skewed in his head the Force, which, I mean, there's many times throughout this book, I think a lot of this wouldn't have happened if he would have just went all Jedi, pulled his lightsaber out, and just went to work. But, (laughs) you know... (laughs) Obviously, the book wouldn't be as good of a book that way, but at the same time, you know, it's (laughs) he was clearly so scarred, and I think it comes from a lot of that dogmatic teaching that the Jedi teach, and then when it turns out, hey, maybe they weren't totally right, now he's bitter, you know, so it's really interesting. Yeah. So do you guys mind if I just give a a quick very simplified version of the overall book real quick. That way we can just spend all the time talking uh, about the stuff we want to talk about instead of having to really get uh, super chronological. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Um, So really, you know, like we, Dustin's already said, uh, started the book. We are in basically a flashback um, of Caleb Doom, who, AKA Kanan Jarrus, and uh, after that flashback happens with him in the teachings and all that kind of stuff, uh, we find ourselves on the uh, Imperial Star Destroyer. Um, do you guys remember what the name of the Star Destroyer was that they were on? Uh, the ult- ult- Ultimatum? Ultimatum, yes, you're right. Um, you find ourselves on the Star Destroyer Ultimatum, which is being captained by Captain Ray Sloan. Uh, who is an up-and-comer in the Imperial Navy. And uh, she is alongside uh, a man by the name of Count Vidian. Uh, Count Vidian is one of the... um, He's portrayed as like this business person who gets things going, and and he's he's kind of an overseer of projects for the military and for the Empire, ultimately for the Emperor himself. Um, So there's this weird um, sort of balance of power relationship that's going on where uh, during the entire movie, or excuse me, during the entire uh, book of 
uh, Ray Sloan sort of doing the things that she's supposed to be doing as a naval officer versus what, um, while also helping Count Vidian get his things uh, sort of secured. Um, they find ourselves on, there's a planet and a moon. The planet is the planet of Gorse, and the moon is called Cinda. Gorse is kind of a unique planet where uh, the planet itself ne- doesn't rotate. So it does orbit a sun, uh, but the but it doesn't rotate on its own axis. That way, so one side of the planet is always facing the sun, while the other side is in constant darkness. Uh, the people that live on Gorse live in uh, the dark zone, or in the constant darkness zone. Uh, and the only light that they really have is... Uh, from the moon called Cinda. Cinda is a bright, you know, big bright ball of uh, fluoride, uh, which is one of the materials that the uh, that the Empire is trying to mine out of Gorse and Cinda. Um, so that's basically why Vidian is there, is because he's gotten, you know, increased production quotas from the Empire to say we need more uh, of the, or excuse me, I said fluoride, I meant thoralide. Uh, we need more thor. Yeah, I, 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 said, I was like, wait, as soon as I said it, I kept going and I'm like, fluoride, wait, that's, <laughs> isn't that in toothpaste? Um, yeah, uh, but there's a mineral in the in the Star Wars universe called thoralide uh, that they can only mine from certain places. And, uh, and apparently the moon of Cinda is full of this stuff. Um, what only problem is, is that we come into contact with a, uh, very like soon on you find out there's a man by the name of Skelly. Uh, Skelly, um, I don't know if they ever uh, say his last name, uh, but Skelly was a Republic era, uh, Clone Wars era troop who was a demolitions expert. And he's been doing research on the moon uh, ever since he got there. And he's quite, kind of been annoying everybody around him with his theories about how if they put explosives in the wrong area, they're going to blow up the entire moon. Nobody really believes him. Uh, so he he attempts to sort of prove his theory by planting a, a explosive that causes a giant cave-in. From this moment forward, uh, Skelly is sort of known as a... Uh, or by the Empire, he's now being hunted as a terrorist bomber. And... Um, so, which is sort of misunderstanding what Skelly was trying to do. Uh, however, I guess Skelly didn't, he was trying to bomb an unmanned zone, but the Empire coming in sort of changed the zone, so therefore it looked like he was trying to kill people. Uh, Skelly ends up teaming up with Kanan and Hera, who we meet later on. Uh, Hera's there doing rebel things very early on in the rebel, before the Alliance and all that kind of stuff. Um, so basically kind of what happens is, uh, Skelly ends up approaching Count Vidian with his, with a hollow disc that has all the information that Skelly has gathered about the moon and how, and Skelly's goal in this whole thing is to try to save the moon of Cinda because he loves the moon of Cinda and he doesn't think the empire should blow it up. Count Vidian figures out that he can actually blow up the moon using Skelly's uh, schematics here. And using his ideas, he can blow up the moon to collect all the Thoralide. And from there, they move around to, they actually test the idea, uh, find out that it can work. Once they find out it can work, they move uh, to a different location because they, ha- they need a different type of uh, 
explosive uh, while they're there. Uh, they basically attack Vidian. Um, so at this point, because uh, Kanan, Hera, Skelly, they picked up an intelligence, uh, per, or not an intelligence, but like a surveillance officer. Uh, um, what was her name? Oh, Zaluna. Uh, they pick her up and they go to this place called the Forester, uh, do all their sort of intelligence things and gathering information to try to stop this information going to the Empire. Uh, come to find out that uh, Count Vidian is actually lying to the Empire. Uh, I guess the the uh, the material of Thorolide will actually break down in space after a year. Um, so uh, he can meet the quotas. Basically, he can meet the quotas now, but he can't meet the quotas later. But at this point, after a year, he's going to be handing the leash off to one of his enemies who is just like, okay, sure, yeah, I'll take over the operation because it's a good operation. And that way, you know, he can sort of dupe him into it. Our heroes end up uh, not being able to stop it going to Cinda, or not being able to stop the report going to the Empire, but ultimately are able to stop the uh, explosion of Cinda with the help of Ray Sloan, actually, um, not realizing that she was helping a rebellion supporter, but actually uh, they duped her into believing that she was helping an a emperor's uh, agent. Um, so it all gets stopped. Uh, Skelly sacrifices himself, sort of, um, to kill Count Vidian. And uh, after that... Uh, Hera and Kanan sort of, uh, you know, get together as far as being a part of a crew together, and um, they fly off. And this is all happening uh, six years before the events of the the show Rebels, and uh, so this is sort of the prequel to um, you know, Rebels as far as hey they meet. So that's kind of a very simplified, boiled down version of the book. Now, where do you guys want to go with it? <laughs> So many places. <laughs> uh, I thought, I, I I will say, I mentioned Vidian. Um, I think, I thought Vidian was a really interesting character. Um, in the sense that, you know, what, at first, I was really... You know, when it was talking about him going through and, like, killing people, I was kind of like, so what force powers is this guy going to have? Like, you know, he is is he a, you know, he's clearly not a Sith, but does he have dark, is he a dark side user of some kind? Um, just simply because of, you know, usually in these books you've got somebody present that is. Um, but he just... Just kind of the way they describe him as somebody who was, um, you know, he was very, uh, like he, he was, because of what had happened to him, he had literally not just, it wasn't even that he didn't have a moral compass anymore. It was, he was so bitter with life that he literally like enjoyed nothing more like it was almost a bonus to him if he got to kill somebody in the process of like striking it rich. You know what I mean? It's just seemed like the whole time he was kind of 
you know, if if there was a chance to, well, hey, you know, if you do that, you're going to lose so many lives. And he was like, yes, that's a bonus. It's just kind of the way he seemed. It was really interesting. Um, well, it's interesting, too, because he ends up becoming sort of a cyborg because of a degenerative disease uh, that he ended up getting. And the reason we find out later on in the book is that he got this disease was that he used to be like a safety inspector for all these different uh, mining operations and that he was bitter towards the people who wouldn't listen to him and say, hey, you know, a lot of these places like uh, the place that Canaan worked for, which is Moonglow, uh, ended up, uh, put you know, inputting a lot of uh, his suggestions uh, earlier on when we, Come to find out he had changed his name from uh, Lemuel Tharsa. And Lemuel Tharsa was the man who was responsible for trying to get a lot of these safety things put into place that most people ignored. And the ironic part of it, um, or the bitter irony there, is that he ended up becoming sick and having this degenerative disease because of the places that he had been in that he was fighting to try to get them to, to be more safe. And then all of a sudden it's ironic because once you figure that out, you find out oh, he's back as a cyborg now working for the Empire, and he's kind of like, screw all of you. I don't care that it's unsafe. And he actually says, and Dustin, you sent me this, which I thought was great. Uh, he, he said, quote, murder belongs in every supervisor's toolkit, you know, and almost as a motivational tool. And if you get a little revenge in, at, at the same time, yeah, might as well. You know? Right. And he goes on after that. He starts talking about how usually if you kill people, things get done quicker. It's it's almost like, you know, it's usually easier to just wipe out the middleman. Um, which He's definitely you know, the quintessential like bad. What I would consider to be a bad imperial, as far as the a you know he's trying to stab people in the back to try to work them work himself higher in the food chain, but at the same time create you know treating every one of his subordinates either a he's the master manipulator um with uh like with ray sloan for example uh or he just completely disregards anybody who's below him anyways i mean at one point he literally goes into i think uh one of the mess halls or something and he goes and he walks in and he was like oh the miners the backbone of what we've got going on in our operation and he goes you 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 and you he goes all of you are too old you know, you can leave. Uh, you <laughs> Your empire will put you to work somewhere else because uh, in this sector, having no job is illegal, <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, right. But he literally is just like, you know, without looking at any sort of experience, which is actually kind of funny because do you guys remember the character of Okadaya? Yes. Uh, Okadaya was the old man who actually Kanan ended up uh, running the bar and stuff with. Um Basically and there was a very gave him a home. Was, yeah, so Okadaya sort of gave him a home and all that kind of stuff, and uh, I I was really endured to the uh, character of Okadaya, and it was very it was very funny. The um, so Okadaya being an old man, it was kind of funny because what happens when they first run into each other, Vidian and Okadaya. Uh, Vidian goes, uh, Okadaya has his back turned to Vidian. And like I said, every you know this whole commentary on the fact that he's a cyborg and how how weird he looks and all this kind of stuff has been going on the entire book. And uh, Okadaya has his back turned while he's working on like a wall socket or something. And Vidian goes like, "You're obviously too old to be here." And Okadaya says, "Yeah, and you're too ugly." Without actually looking at him, and then he like <laughs> he turns around. And he's like, "Oh God." 
<laughs> I didn't think I was going to be right about that, you know, just like, <laughs> um, but it was yeah. funny because like, you know, obviously you think Vidian's about to murder him because he just murdered some random supervisor like two pages ago. And, uh, that's when Caden or Kanan sort of jumps in and goes like, uh, like, Hey, get your hands off him. You know, you're saying he's too old, but you know, he mo- he knows more about mining here than anybody else, you know, on the on the planet, you know. Uh and it was and it was true. So it was one of those things where he's just like, you know, uh he kept quoting like, you know, uh away with the new or uh, away with the old ways or something like that, you know, and um wanted everything new, everything boom 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 done done done. But uh uh yeah, I thought that whole interaction like <laughs> you're obviously too old to be here well you're too ugly <laughs> like, as a response <laughs> that was great yeah yeah he really is like he's probably a good manager in the sense of like as far as he gets it done but you know at the same time like people running sweatshops are they good managers you know like i don't i well I, there's a morality and you there. Think about who his overall boss is. I mean, you know yeah, that he's Sidian. somebody that, with like somebody that that kills to make sure that the job gets done. You know, Palpatine's like, yes, this is my guy. You know what I mean? Like, he sorry, knows... Darth Sidious, not Darth Sidian. Sorry, I, I said Darth Sidian, thinking of uh, Count Vidian. <laughs> <laughs> Sidian and Vidian, the brothers. But you know what I thought was interesting is that, again, I said that, you know, most of the time when you're hearing a Star Wars story, you're talking about a lot of Force-sensitive beings. And this one, you not so much. But what was interesting is that it was like he didn't have any Force abilities, but he had a lot of the things that a Sith Lord would have. Like, when they walk into a room to try to kill him, he knows because he's... Uh, like you said, a cyborg, he's got sensory, you know, put in that he can sense when people are coming. Um, he's quicker than everybody, you know, because of his robotics. Like, he's got all of the tools to be your super kill you villain, you know, and that everybody's scared of. But he's not force sensitive, which I just think that was, you know, interesting to uh, just interesting kind of a twist to the story and being somebody who's not read a lot of the external fiction I don't know if there's a ton more people like that but uh I just thought that was an interesting twist that hey he's as power you know maybe not necessarily as powerful but in this particular book they make him to be as powerful of an you know an adversary as say a you know I, I don't know, a Darth Vader, you know, he's kind of the, that character in this story and it's just totally different. It's not using the force or anything. I, I just really liked, but he was still, he still was quicker than everybody. He, he knew everything that was going on. Um, I liked at one point, somebody made some comment about like finding someone. He's like, Oh, we'll figure it out. Nothing goes unnoticed. We'll know in the next, like, I don't think he said a time, but it was literally like three minutes later. He's like, they're like, oh, they're actually the 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 rebels are here. You know, it's like he he has eyes and ears everywhere, um, which I just thought was 
Like they just really made him a big deal. And I just thought that was interesting being that he had no force ability. Well, and that's where it's like the the cybernetic uh, enhancements really are what gets him uh, going. And it's funny because it's like you as the reader are going to sort of think, God, this guy's just invincible. And he sort of thinks that about himself, which is, uh, I think, ultimately his downfall at the end because he he basically can't believe that this uh, uh, right. that this guy who he's attempted to beat to death a couple of times now um, is the one that, you know, lot, you know, latches onto him and is going to kill him. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's this whole, like, you know, I don't need anybody else. Uh, right. You and know, he I've says it throughout the book. He constantly is telling them about his enhancements. And uh, because of this, you know, I, I'm good to go because I have this, you know, like, you know, and one thing, they really kind of take the humanity out of him, which it's, I mean, probably there wasn't much left, but he like legitimately does not have a reaction to when the people are calling him ugly, doing that. Like he, he, he just doesn't, it, they don't play it like he's just, he does care, but he's acting like he doesn't, he legitimately just doesn't have a positive or negative, negative reaction to any of it. Cause he just does not care. You know, it's like I'm at this point, like a lot of my and it's probably because a lot of the feelings and um, those kind of things are gone. At one point, you know, I, I it, it's later in the book, but they made a comment about him. Uh, he said, I don't smile anymore, but like, I think he like grunted or something and they're like. He, he doesn't have the ability to smi- smile anymore, but basically this is as close as you're going to get. He, he was proud of himself, you know, and he like grunted or something or made some noise. And that was the equivalent to a smile because he just physically can't smile. And I just I just liked that they it was a different character. It wasn't some, you know. Red blade. Dude it's not. Coming yeah, up. it's not some Sith. You know, yeah. force user. It's right. it's it's a person who's become a who's become a, basically a machine who is just the full embodiment of the. I I don't want to say evil because uh you know that's that's putting a morality stance on it but I will say uh, the calculating you know, efficiency of the machine, which is the empire, which, you know, they keep talking, you know, and they, they talk about this multiple times as far as like, you know, the empire's goal is to continuously make the empire bigger. And if the empire cannot keep eating, the empire will die, you know? And, uh, so it's, it's just this, he's, he's this perfect product of, that imperial machine, which, like I said, is, you know, just just doesn't get helped out by the fact that he's, you know, he works 97% of every day uh, because he's got to take a few minutes, uh, you know, he doesn't have to sleep. And, you know, um, so, like I said, I, I don't know if I'd, I would attribute evil to him just because... Um, He's just, I don't think he would actually look at it that way himself. I think he looks at it as this he, is the cold hard amoral. truth of he just everything. Doesn't, he doesn't. Really yeah, he have, doesn't. He doesn't have a morality compass. Yeah, right. and I think he even says that, like at one point, like 
you know, um, yeah, uh, basically that, you know, morality is for other people to figure out. He's right. just here to do the job. And it, it makes you wonder if it, at first you kind of think, oh, he's just a really terrible person. It's like, no, it's just like the morality part of him died, you know, when when his flesh died. You know, it was kind of like it's literally a, a uh, bionic being just making decisions programmed to, uh, you know, for the empire, which I, it was just a nice twist. Um, the other character that I was really, you know, I, I really was interested in was Skelly and specifically because oh, Skelly, he, I, I've just, <laughs> I, I felt for the dude. Cause the dude really thought people cared about his little world. <laughs> like he just, the whole book, they're like, listen, like no one, is go- no one cares about this little like I loved how Hera the whole time is trying not to be a jerk and say, listen, like we have bigger fish fish to fry than your planet, but basically she's saying we have bigger fish to fry than your planet, and he's just like, no, I just gotta get to Vidian. I just gotta tell him. I gotta tell him. He's he, he clearly he wouldn't want to blow up this wonderful world that we live in, like you know. <laughs> He just was super naive, and it's really interesting because I'm guessing, you know, they they referenced that he fought in the Clone Wars. Would he have been a clone? No, he would have. He was a civilian, basically like a civilian contractor who, uh, or like a like a volunteer for the military. Um, Okay, they they would have those. I mean, that's sort of like uh, uh, Grand Moff Tarkin, for example, was an. Uh, ended up being an admiral, um, or not an admiral. He was like a lieutenant or something in the in the Republic Navy, uh, which was mostly ran by clones. But uh, uh, him and you know like Admiral Ularin, you you ah Ularin, excuse me, uh, who mm-hmm. ended up being an Imperial ISB agent later on. Um, you know those are all people who sort of volunteered uh, yeah. in the Republic forces. So what's funny about Skelly? Um, in my mind is I, I don't, I, I don't know what the naivete of him is because it's funny. Like you said, the whole time he's just like, uh, and I got to say Mark Thompson's voice for Skelly was like, wonderful. It was great, but it was funny because I kept thinking of, um, gosh, Zach, I said this to you yesterday, but I can't think of the guy. Oh, Gilbert Godfrey. Like for some reason I just kept, you know, I kept seeing, like I kept hearing Gilbert Godfrey's voice because that's the way Mark Thompson sort of portrayed Skelly. Cause the whole time Skelly's like, but guys, I'm telling you like, <laughs> just like, um, yeah, just like, Oh my gosh. Like I, I kept wanting to be like, uh, like, you know, I, I'm waiting for Skelly to be like, you know, like, uh, oh, I can't think of the, I can't think of the movie, uh, when he's in Aladdin, uh, as the, uh, I- Iago, yes. When he's just like, uh, like, <laughs> if I have to choke down one more cracker, you know, just like I- I'm, I'm envisioning that. And it's funny too because I had a picture in my mind when we started looking up, and we put this in the topics chat of the ROTM Radio uh, Discord. Uh, a couple pictures of, I guess, what was what Skelly was supposed to look like, and he looks like a normal, you know, 
probably like a grizzled veteran dude with, you know, with full beard and stuff. And it's funny because I did not envision him as that. And Dustin, you had actually posted a picture of him. And in the picture, or, or a different picture of him, which is a lot closer to what I thought he would look like. <laughs> and I can't remember if they specifically said in the book whether or not he had red hair. But for some reason, I saw him as a redhead. Oh, yeah. Did they, did they say he was a redhead in the book? I don't I don't remember. I, I they were kind of vague. That's why I wondered if he was a clone because they didn't say he was a clone, but he had like to me Skelly for some reason just sounds a lot like a clone name. Um it would have been a name of a clone, you know. But uh and so to me I just pictured him as a like a clone that had because they said, you know, kind of after the the empire, they didn't uh, they didn't have much use for the clone. Or after the uh, yeah, the, after the empire started, they didn't have much use for the clones anymore. So to me, he fit the bill the bill of a, an old you know clone who just they just kind of tried to get rid of and he just be, took his training to this random moon and be you know started playing with dynamite that's kind of the way i looked at well, it i think with him because they he talked about like the place that he lived at was like an old veterans home basically yeah uh, and i think the only difference between like that and what a clone would have done like if a clone would have ended up at a quote unquote like veteran place or whatever it would have been back on uh kaminoa uh, which is where like their only sort of home was was with the Kaminoans who were the cloners. So I think most of the clones would have gone back there. Um, but like, uh, and I, I I would think also if if he was a clone, which like I said they never said he was a clone. So I I didn't I didn't get the impression myself that he was a clone. Um, but I I really think that if he would have been a clone because they they saw him on the cameras and stuff like that, it would have been stated by Vidian or. Or Ray Sloan, like, oh, we've got a crazy clone on the loose or something, you know, like they would have said that. Yeah. And um, you're probably right. I to me, that's just what the entire time that's what I was picturing was like I, I was kind of picturing like Clone Wars Rex, you know. Or yeah. I or I would it have been Re no Rebels Rex, excuse me. Um just like, you know, the the kind of chubbier dude with the with the, the white beard now and you know all, yeah, all yeah. that's that's kind way, of what the, i picture yeah the way rex looks like in uh in rebels yes yeah just that's that's who i was looking at that's who i was thinking of so he might have been uh like skelly might have been like a um like maybe he was part of like a planetary defense force that happened to be active duty uh in the clone yeah. wars you know um, but it's funny because, like I said, with, so with Skelly, one of the tragic things that happens to Skelly in the Clone Wars was uh, he ends up having his 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 arm was taken off. And but the problem was with his arm is that they didn't have they didn't like they didn't have a prosthetic um, arm available for him. And when I say prosthetic in the Star Wars universe, I'm obviously talking about like like an actual like animatronic arm and stuff like that because uh, their technology is a lot better than what we have now. All they had available for him was the arm of a Klaatuinian and the physiology just doesn't work as well. So this whole time, and by the time he got somewhere where he could have gotten a human arm, 
uh, something about his nerves had been damaged to a point where like a human arm was not going to graft to his existing arm the way it was. So now he's sort of stuck with this Klaatuanian arm that doesn't work half the time. It, you know, he'll close his, his hand and his hand won't release back. And, you know, so he's got this frustration, but it's funny because of the fact he had the amputated arm. And I kept thinking about the fact that the arm wasn't a human arm. And I kept thinking of him as this redheaded. And for some reason I kept envisioning him being very short Mm-hmm. I totally had the image. I of, did in feel my, that way too. <laughs> like I don't know why. Like I, like I don't remember <laughs> them specifically saying this, but I was like, "God, he's some little short, annoying dude that everyone hates, and he's redheaded." And they're just like, "Leave me alone, you ginger or whatever." Yeah. And like, I I kept envisioning um the character uh uh, uh how do you uh Trobe Tor, Tor, <laughs> on Overwatch. I. Like, I, I just... That would be a Zach. <laughs> you know, just like Skelly the whole time. just like, uh, you know, he's just like, um, you know, like, I've got to fix my turret. <laughs> you know, like the whole time. Like, I it's, I, I just kept envisioning Tjorbjorn. Um, but sort of like I, like I said, so the before we got off on this long track here... Um, with with Skelly, I think sort of the naivete of him saying, like, if I just get to Vidian, Vidian's going to think like me because Vidian's a doer. He's a fixer just like me. And I can relate to Vidian because Vidian's a cyborg now, and I have this, like, arm that doesn't really work real well. You know, so they're both missing. And Skelly is very much mistaken when he thinks that uh, Vidian's going to listen to him. Which was kind of funny because Vidian actually takes the information that Skelly gives him and sort of uses it as a blueprint on how to blow up the moon. And when Skelly was presenting all this information to get him to not blow up the moon. (laughs) And then he goes and he's like, you know, Skelly asks Vidian, he's like, you're just going to blow up the moon? What am I supposed to do now? And he goes, "Um, die. And then Vidian picks him up and just starts beating the hell out of him like... Yeah. Um like like he's just like I found our saboteur <laughs> and he's just like bam 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 I bam. honestly thought to myself I said you know like I'm never going to use the phrase I just can't catch a break again because I've I've just he is the oh, ultimate yeah. cannot catch a break like I mean there were points where you're just like you're almost yelling at the phone like Come on, like Kanan, come on. Like, you gotta, like, at least just talk to the dude, you know? Well, and it's it's funny, too, because at the same time, you're looking at Skelly the whole time just going, you can't be that stupid. Like, like <laughs> I, you know, I, like, I felt like Kanan at some points when I'm going, I'm sitting there just being like, you know, Kanan's like, wait, wait, time out, time out, time out. You want to go give this information uh, or or the yeah. reason you tried to blow up part of the moon was that you think it's going to prove to the Empire that you're not a terrorist bomber, but that <laughs> if they, you know, like, you're an idiot, basically. Right. Well, <laughs> you can see... very funny. And this is what's really interesting. Something that I... you I think you forget when you watch, you know, franchises and things like this... Um, or certainly I do. And I actually thought about this listening to this book. Um, 
and I've thought about it before, but you kind of, I think at one point, Zalula, is it Zaluna? Zaluna, that's how you pronounce it. Um, you you actually kind of forget that, like you know when you're when you're listening to this book, you know all of the Star Wars proper like story. You know all the big wigs. That's kind of who you follow. Um, that you know you kind of go through their story. Where she at one point she she's questioning. She's like. You know, how do I know that the people at the top really are that evil? Like, she's actually questioning it because she's, you know, she lives in this, her whole world is her job on this planet. And we kind of look at it, oh, it's just some random planet somewhere in the galaxy. But if you think about it, it's, I mean, that's her world. (laughs) Like, it's, you know, she doesn't really think about all this stuff. And you can see the difference between someone like Kanan, who has been around the Jedi, he's been all over the place. He understands. He's like, do you not understand this empire and what they will do? But, you know, he's he's coming from, I've lived through Order 66. So I know what they're capable of. Hera's like, I know what they're capable of. You would think Skelly would too. But in his mind, he still, I guess he still thinks the empire. And I think... Again, you know, Zaluna, the whole thing, she works basically as the, she's kind of surveillance that allow, like, sends all of the stuff back to the Empire to, to, uh, you know, if, if somebody does anything. And in her mind, she thinks she's doing a good thing. You know, she's just like, she, she thinks she's protecting people. And really, when she sends, um, when she sends basically her her surveillance to the empire, what she's really doing is getting people killed. <laughs> but she doesn't right. know that. She, you know, she think and she she really there's this whole scene where they're like trying to tell her like you you got to realize these people are evil. And she's like, there's no way I've been helping evil people this whole time. Like there's just no way. And they're like, yeah, pretty much that's what you've been doing. You've been you've been like sending people to their death. And I think in a lot of ways, that's the way it is with Skelly where he's just like, they they can't be possibly wanting to blow up an entire planet. Like that's just not, no one would be that evil. And so he really believes. And not only does he believe that he thinks, and I'm going to be the one to save it. And finally people are going to like me, you know, (laughs) he's just, he's just been, Told that you know yeah, no this one poor guy to is literally so just long. like has no friends. Like even Kanan, Mister, used to be a Jedi. It's just like you know because he he keeps calling <laughs> Kanan at the beginning. He's like he's like you know hey pal blah 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 and like Kanan gets annoyed with him and like punches him in the mouth at the beginning of the book and he's just like and then it was funny because then after he gets beat beat up by Count Vidian he's just like. <laughs> Well, people quit punching me today or something like that. <laughs> like he's so forget and and he wants he still wants to be his friend afterwards. He's like he's like cuz we're friends and like Kanan's like did you we're do not you not remember that I punched you in the face like <laughs> like did you not get the hint from that that I hate you actually? I'm I just can't stand the sound of your voice. <laughs> 
Zach's like, I hate him too. <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, you got to think about it. Like, really, most of the trouble that Kanan and Hera have to go through the entire, like, three quarters of the book are mostly because, like, Skelly keeps showing up, throwing bombs. Because <laughs> after, after, after Vinian tries to beat him <laughs> to death, he's just like, caution to the wind. I've got a backpack full of explosives. And then he continuously tries to kill Vidian while, like, Hera's just trying to get intel. And so, like, they keep getting caught in the crossfire. And then all of a sudden, it's like the Empire now thinks that uh, Kanan and Hera are in cahoots with the with the mad bomber they keep calling uh, Skelly. And they're just like, look, we, we've just been trying to do our own thing, and you keep showing up, screwing it all up. Uh, and then they end <laughs> up obviously having to get in, you know, in, into cahoots with, uh, with Skelly. But... Um, I don't know. Towards the end of the book, I, I started to, I started to, uh, like Skelly started to grow on me a little bit just because of his, his journey. I mean, it's, it's yeah. kind of one of those, you know, because I, I thought about it like, you know, here he is, he's definitely supposed to be like, he's supposed to be the image of, you know, the the veteran who comes home who isn't given good care from his country who he fought for and he sacrificed so much for and now he's just doing his lot in life and he's living at the bottom of a totem pole back in some backwater somewhere that nobody really cares about and he's you know doing his best to sort of not be the weird guy who's probably got PTSD and all sorts of other things going on but you know he's trying to do his best to do the one thing he's good at, which is an explosives expert. Right. Um, and well, and he, you can—he's probably clearly—he, I mean, he's like—he's probably brilliant, to be honest. You know, he's probably a genius. But you know how geniuses are. A lot of times, they're also psycho. So you know. Well, well like, yeah, and that's the thing because, like, as he's even showing Hera like his stuff for trying to prove that, like. You know, if you keep blowing up, like, even with small demolitions as they're doing with the mining, he's trying to prove that, like, eventually you're going to put explosives in the wrong spot and you're going to crack the entire moon open. And it's funny because, like, Hera comes down to talk to him and he's just like, you know, he's obviously a brilliant guy, but I can just see it almost like he's got, like, like his walls just covered in, like, pictures and notes with with like push pins with yarn going from one place to another place and stuff. And he's just kind of like, he doesn't know how to fully explain it all to her. He's just like, like, look, they're going to blow up the moon if they don't like, be careful. And she's like, uh, huh, that can't happen. Right. <laughs> and so he, well, at one point, he doesn't she have the, doesn't oh, she, a sorry, doesn't she ask him like, how is that going to happen? And then he just goes like, he just starts, just go into town, and she's like, oh, I should not have asked. <laughs> like, yeah, and it's one of those because obviously I think it's one of those, like, he's like, oh, my God, somebody's listening to me, word vomit, but none of it makes sense because he doesn't know how to, like, he's like, you know, I don't. He's been talking I, to himself for so long. <laughs> yeah, he's been talking to himself. He knows he's right, and he's just like, nobody's ever listened before. And, it, and, and, and of course, the same thing happens to Vidian when he gets there. He's just like. He's like, Count Vidian, you're just like me. We're bros, right? Because in his head, just like everybody, you know, just like Kane and everybody else, he's like, we're, we understand each other, you and I, because, you know, you've got, you know, cybernetic implants here, 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 and here. I've got this arm that doesn't really work. We're, we're fixers. And then Vidian's just like, you're the mad bummer. Go die. You know, and he's like, what? 
But uh, Skelly does get his revenge at the end of the book, though, because Skelly um, uh, Skelly does bring down the yeah. forager uh, by exploding his well, explosive hauler. I will say my favorite Skelly <laughs> little moment was when he there was at one point where he says something to the effect of like, oh, they really are bad people. Like he like like he finally gets it yeah he, yeah he finally gets it and and Kanan's like you're just now noticing <laughs> like you just are now getting that why we've been trying to tell you to calm down like <laughs> <laughs> oh Zach why don't you jump in here give us your ideas on uh, on Skelly or what your thoughts were. I sort of kept envisioning like the Borg from uh, from Star Trek, but not a hive mind. Like, <laughs> is what I kept thinking. That's right, all you Trekkies out there. I, I'm your fan. I'm a fan of that too. Yay! Oh, here we go. <laughs> I'm not a one trick pony. I-, I love all things nerd. Well, there's nothing ever simple going through my brain, especially when we're talking nerd lore. So, uh. <laughs> With the whole like you're just an idiot. What what are you like? You're causing so many more problems for me than I need. Well, isn't that I I love the fact that like not only does everybody else in the book around Skelly think that until the end, but you as the reader, like like John Jackson Miller being the author, he's just kind of like I want you to dislike this guy also, and not in a oh I hate him because he's evil. I like God, this guy's annoying. Why don't he? Why yeah. can't he go away? You know, that whole, like, like, hey, I'm still here. I'm going to talk your ear off. Like, do you want to hear my, my theories on, like, you know, chemtrails and stuff? Right. And and also be my friend. You know, just yeah. like, no, the earth is round. Leave me alone, Skelly. God. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, you know, I always I, I, I always think of, and, and obviously the character, the personality is totally different. But I... I think of a character like, for example, like Michael Scott from The Office. Like, he's the the boss that literally 90% of the time he annoys you, and then he has those moments where he's like... He's got that one redeeming quality. Oh, yeah. I've always, you know, I've, I've always loved the episode where, like, he, Stanley stands up to him and it's like, you know, calling him all these things, and he's like, Stanley... You can't call me that. I'm your boss. You can't speak to me like that. And it's like one of the most brilliant, like, you're right. He can't. And then, like, literally to end the episode, he, like, Phyllis says something not even close to bad. He's like, Phyllis, in my office, or <laughs> everybody out. <laughs> and it's just back to him being Michael Scott again. And so I, that's how I felt with him. I was like, he, you know that, like, Deep down, like, he really just wants to save the moon. He just, his personality is so annoying that it's like no one, that's why no one listens to him, which just makes him more annoying that no one's listening to him. And there's those moments where you're just like, actually, like, he really is a good, right. It's Well, it's like he, in this case, like, he was right about all of this. 
he was he was right about like and well uh, you mentioned it earlier like his goal was to not blow up the moon so he came up with every possible way that could blow up the moon so he could say hey you all need to stop doing this because if you keep doing it this will happen it just turns out that <laughs> Vidian's like oh thank you for drawing up the blueprint I'm gonna do that <laughs> I, I love the fact that they kept calling, and I can't remember the name of the uh, the explosive that they're using on Gorse, but they're like, um, they they would call it baby, and they they said like the the explosives haulers would would be called like baby haulers or whatever, but they have to go they have to go to this different system because then uh, Vidian realizes that uh, they need a different kind of explosive that's even bigger to big you know pack the big boom, and I remember when. <laughs> <laughs> they called it Naughty Baby. <laughs> and yes. uh, I remember when, like, so Skelly ends up blowing up uh, the uh, the forager harvesting ship that Vidian's on and killing Vidian and, and himself. But as they're flying away, um, Kanan was like, Naughty Baby indeed. <laughs> like, after he sees the explosion of it. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, I'm actually so I'm I'm reading some uh, quotes from the book, um, uh, or there's like a list of them here, and one of the quotes that just like got me, uh, which was really funny, was uh, so while they're trying to get onto Forager uh, at the end of the book, uh, Kanan <laughs> Kanan looks at um, at Hera who's flying the little explosive hauler, and he goes. I need you to fly like a Wookiee whose hair's on fire and who thinks everyone else lit the match. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So good. Um, so if you guys are okay with it, I, w- I really want to talk about, like, uh, Kanan and just how his character, as, like I said earlier, how it reminded me sort of Han Solo-ish and, like, him as a him as a character... Um, and then, you know, after that, if you guys want to hit a couple other things before we sort of wrap it up. Yeah. Cool. Well, um, I, I love the, oh, go ahead. Well, no, go ahead. Well, I love the fact that, like I said earlier, because this whole image of a Jedi and especially because I've watched the show rebels, uh, spoiler for those of you who haven't seen rebels yet, which we're going to be talking about, um, which will be the the show that we're going to be doing once we finish up Firefly finally um, is going to be Rebels. But you see, you sort of see Kanan struggling with the whole, like, am I a Jedi? Should I use the Force and be a Jedi? And he's got that whole thing going. But I love the fact that in this book, he has thrown himself completely into the, I'm a I, I'm gonna I'm working f- to make enough money to buy drinks and then or m- working for enough money to buy enough drinks to get drunk and do the drunk guy thing and hit on some chicks and like the only reason him and Hera end up coming together to begin with is because like he wants to get in Hera's pants like the entire freaking book like mm-hmm. he's just like you know he's attracted to her voice and her look and everything and I mean. He's kind of a horn dog the entire yeah. book, which is very funny to me because it's like, you know, uh, Jedi, blah blah blah. It reminds me of a different book uh, that um, I can't remember the name of the Jedi Master who said it, uh, but because he like he 
he had basically aggravated the Jedi Council because of his uh, interpretation of some of the rules. He goes, he said, hey, look, the Jedi preach that we shouldn't get married, not that we shouldn't get laid. <laughs> you know, so it kind of <laughs> reminded me of that. And um, there was a quote uh, from inside the book that, uh, so Vidian had come in and like, uh, uh, was getting ready to destroy the, uh, the the med center and everything to put in a new refinery. And uh, so just this one quote will kind of give you an idea of how Kanan acts the entire first half of the, of, of the book. Um, he comes in and he says, Everyone, I've had enough of today. The next person who crosses me goes to the med center. And then you hear another bar tender across, or bar patron across the room just be like, Empire, close the med center. <laughs> and he goes, Correction. Anybody else that hassles me goes to the morgue. <laughs> you know, just this. I'm done with everyone's shit today. Like, uh, yeah. um, and I love that dynamic of this 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 drunk guy who's got this past and he doesn't want anybody to know about the past, but he's fully embracing the. I don't know what else I'm supposed to do. I'm not supposed to be a Jedi anymore. I'm not sure why I'm keeping myself safe or what I'm supposed to do, but yeah, let's go get drunk because yeah. he's obviously still very young. He's only like 21, 22 um, mm-hmm. when, when this book is happening. So, um, but what did you guys think about the whole, like, you know, he obviously has some interests in Hera, not yeah. in Hera's, plans to try to stop the empire and stuff so i kind of came my initial thought was a little different um i kind of thought of him as like i i I mean there's so many examples to pull from but he's the guy who is really trying to drown out his past he like if you were to get him to be honest he would be he's miserable and so he's covering that all up like i am not i wasn't looking at it as like he's fully just embracing it and having fun like he is but it's it's more of the when he goes to bed at night he's miserable but he's still haunted by what happened to him that's kind of what i the way i looked at it um if you know if that makes sense where it's, it it was less of him being um you know, like he didn't really want to end up that way, but it's just he he was so he he was basically trying to get rid of all the memories of who he used to be now with him with hera i I thought it was really interesting that the um the summary that Zach you read uh at one point called her I'm going to pull it back up um an agent. Uh, provocator um, and it, it almost like almost leading you to believe that she was kind of provocative like and I, it was interesting throughout the book that they they said that a lot of guy like she's somebody that a lot of guys like just go after constantly um like she's clearly wanted by a bunch of people, but I didn't feel like she was Miss Flirty. I will say the one point for me was when, and this is why I think that 
I, this is why I kind of lean towards my feeling with Kanan. She starts asking him, she's like, why do you want to go? I know why I'm doing this, and I know why Skelly is doing this. But why are you doing this? Like, what is making you want to do it? And he keeps kind of like, like, he doesn't want to admit it's because he's falling in love with her, and he just wants to be around her. I mean, that is the reason. And he just doesn't, like, he's just not going to admit that. But... You know, and so eventually he kind of says, you know, it's because, and I think there was a little bit of the Obadiah thing, but I mean, realistically, his main reason to do it was because he was starting, to, I, I felt like he was really, at first, maybe he's like, like you said, trying to get in her pants, but then it was like, no, this is the one girl who I can't really get, you know, it's like the hard to get girl who... You know, normally I can just swoon them, get, you know, get what I want and be done with it. But she's like. <laughs> well, you know, there was once a time. There's once a time in Bible school, but we won't go there. Um, oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> Was Bible school anything like band camp? <laughs> uh, well, no. Uh, <laughs> as long as you can fit a Bible between you two, one page at a time. But see, I was that miserable guy, and then, you know, my wife came along, and she played hard to get, and now, I love you, babe, if you're listening. I know you're not listening, but... Uh, <laughs> Dang. <laughs> but no, I, re- I just kind of got more of the vibe that, like, he... Like, for whatever reason, he just, up until this point, he didn't really have a lot to live for. So he was just kind of drowning his sorrows. And then she comes along, interests him, but then it becomes way more than an interest. And she's clearly interested back, but she's, you know, she's got so much on her plate that she's kind of like, eh, I don't know. Like, I'm not going to fall for him and, you know. (laughs) <laughs> then it's a big, you know, it's a big deal then because he's got, you know, all this baggage that comes with him and she's got a mission to complete and all this. But that's, I don't know, that's kind of where I, that was kind of my thought process of it. Well, she even says uh, at the end of the book, she talks about, um, you know, basically that like, she knows that he's got an attraction to her and it's okay, but that she, and, and I can't remember. She even hinted that there might be an attraction back, but she even says something about like, Kanan will, will soon learn that, you know, I've got my, my whole war is already planned out for me and it doesn't leave time for any of that kind of stuff. So she's already fully invested and there is no, there is no organization to, rebel groups or anything yet. I mean, at this point, as far as I know, Hera is fighting with her, uh, with her father, um, uh, Chomsundula to free Ryloth and stuff like that. But there's nothing, you know, there is like, I don't know up to this point, whether or not she is in league yet with Fulcrum or, uh, if she's getting any sort of actual orders from anybody besides her father. Well, see, now so, this is this is interesting because I, again, I I kind of feel I got a whole different thing on this too. I kind of felt like she was already in league with somebody 
and she just was trying kind of not to tell them because she, you know, she goes, say there, you know, that part where she's like, say there's this, this total metaphorical empire and say there's all these local groups and, you know, they try to do it themselves. It doesn't work. Um, and so they start getting together and gathering together resources to make a rebellion. It's not happening, but just say it happened. And to me, that told me, oh, it's already happening. Like, <laughs> she's already been in contact with somebody. Now, I don't know how deep, but that was kind of that whole scene when she said something about if we're going to rebel. And Zaluna's like, who said anything about a rebellion? And she's like, well, l l there's no rebellion, but let's just say, you know, it it kind of implied to me like, Something's already going. She's already a part of, and you know, she was clearly on a specific mission to gather intel for somebody. And like you said, it could have just been for her father for their home planet. But to me, it just seemed like that she, whether it was super deep in it or not, she was already in cahoots with somebody. And that's just you know, kind of it what might I it might be because when we read Ahsoka, we know that the events of Ahsoka took place one year after the empire took over so ahsoka might already be fulcrum right and you know at the, and at that in the point, time of a new dawn and she might be working for fulcrum right and at that point there's the spoiler alert once we get into rebels harrison doula is working for fulcrum right who is ahsoka. who is ahsoka <laughs> yeah but <laughs> right yeah um, listen to the first episode. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I, I definitely thought that that was a, um, I, I felt like they were, there was something there. And, you know, like I said, even at the end of Ahsoka, like you kind of get the idea that when Ahsoka comes in, there's already people talking, you know, like at this point, people have already gotten sick and tired of the empire at their local governments. And they're like, Hey, let's, there's probably not an official rebellion yet, but it's like, we're going to have one. So let's start gathering the troops and let's start like building a foundation for one, even though, you know, there's not an official one yet. We're not, we don't even want to tell people yet. Like, we got to know that they're for real, you know. And because she even says at one point, she said, if you do this, I, I, I don't know if she was talking to Skelly or to Caden, but she was like, if you, you do this, this could hurt other people, like the larger rebellion at stake. So, she, you know, she was kind of saying, like, even if you win the local battle, all you're going to do is get the empire aware that there are people starting to rebel, which could then hurt an official rebellion. So in my mind, I just already assumed like she's already thinking about this because she's already talking with people and her yeah, whole mission. I, there I, I is think you're right about that because uh, she does say that. I think that was to Skelly basically like basically when she's trying to let Skelly down easy and be like, look, you know, you can go forward with this, but you know, just running around throwing bombs is not going to help anybody. Right. At this point. <laughs> no, Vidian will, Vidian will do it. He'll, he'll, he'll like it. 
<laughs> Me and Vidian are the same. We we hang out at the same clubs and stuff. <laughs> it's called cybernetic vodka. <laughs> I was really interested, in, just quick, how uh, they drugged Vidian if he had... The, in that one scene where they gave him, like, sleeping potion, I was like, um, can you use sleeping potion on a cyborg? <laughs> I was confused yeah, by well, that. Yeah, well, it was a it was a it was a cocktail of drugs that they injected him with. Um, but because he's not fully cyborg. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's not fully like he he still has like you know, he still has to go under undergo surgeries and stuff like that all the time. So like his droids can put him out for that kind of stuff and that's right. they they made a uh I, Potion makes me think of like Harry Potter, but like <laughs> they made a they made a chemical cocktail that knocked him out. Yeah, uh, but they were also like they were able to go through and like uh, erase all his recordings and stuff from his own eyeballs, <laughs> just so so they, he wouldn't know it was them that did it. Yeah, I thought that that whole thing was interesting. Like the whole, and he talks about it a little bit with Kanan, where he's like. He's like every time I close my eyes, I I can I will remember, and it's not he he almost says it's not even a memory thing, but he's like I will, it will be saved into my data, the face, even though I won't know why I know him, I just know the face unless unless he intentionally flags him or something, it, you know, like he was talking early on, like is there any use for me to remember? I'll remember his face. Oh, Kanan's face. Yeah. yeah, he's like, but there's no use to, for me to remember what he did. It, it didn't. It wasn't worth it. You know, because that's what. Yeah, because Kanan had stood up for Okadaya, and he, he called him like uh, Vidian calls Kanan uh, the gunslinger. Right. And he's like, I'll just make a, a note that that's what I called him or whatever. But I don't really need to know much more about him because. You know, in his mind, he's just like, nah, he's just some local dude, and I don't need to know anything else. I I thought that was pretty interesting. I really had a thought. I really had a thought at the beginning of the, um, at the beginning of the book that because they they described Gorse as like, no one would want to live there. It's like a terrible world, yet the moon was so nice next to it. It was kind of almost like, you know, people go there because they they can work on, the, you know, the moon is just, they've got all these things that you can do on that moon, um, and on top of the fact that it's such a good working, you know, environment. Like, it's a good place to work. It's so rich, full of minerals and, you know, things like that. Um I thought it was interesting, and I, we don't have to go into it because there was just a lot to it. I thought the the whole, just the whole, no, they go through a whole, pretty much chapter on if they destroy the moon, kind of the repercussions that it would have because of the way that the moon pulls on the planet and, you know, keeps it from rotating. It's like if they would have got rid of the room, or got rid of the moon by blowing it up, because of the certain situation that the the moon and the planet are in, it would have had just like really interesting uh, consequences. And then that you know it was really funny. Was it Sloane's 
the the scientist that was on Sloane's ship who she probably actually had the most annoying voice in the whole the whole book. <laughs> um but she was just they they were like, So would it work or not? She's like, We can't really tell because we've never done this before. <laughs> and, well and she even makes a comment, she's like, you know, in, in that voice it was very uh, like ditzy and like I, I like not a scientist it. at all. She t- yeah, it she was had so ditzy and kind of like, like uh, yeah, uh, like Mark Thompson. What are you doing with that voice? <laughs> like, but uh, she was kind of like, you know, we we should we should try just to see what would happen because like it would be, you know, just great. It's like, <laughs> how did you get a, a freaking science degree? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was it was interesting, and it was funny because that was one of those where I was just like, "Yep, yeah, uh, bad evil imperial right there." <laughs> just like this whole like, "Yeah, let's do it and just see if people die." You know, just like, oh, <laughs> uh, well. Yeah. Uh, do you guys have anything else as far as the book is concerned? Um, I mean, what kind of would you give it a, a thumbs up uh, as far as you know? Would you recommend it to people? Absolutely, um, I would say. Uh, Definitely, I, Rebels. I really like the show Rebels, and um, I feel like if you if you're somebody who's gonna watch that show, you need to read this book. It's one of those where um, it really does, you know, specifically with Kanan, it does set him up to understand a lot. I mean, it really the way it transitions right into Rebels for me with his character development. Uh, not necessarily the story, but just his character development, I, I thought was really good. And so definitely worth the read if you're interested in um, any of the extended fiction, but especially if you're going to watch Rebels. I think it's definitely good to read this book first. I like it. Uh, I would say I, I enjoyed the book. Um, uh, just a quick thought on it. Um or as far as a quick fact on this book, uh, a new dawn is actually the first adult novel, uh, for the first adult novel written for Disney Lucasfilm Press um, in the new canon era, and um, well, <laughs> as far it. as the age, group. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you. As far as the uh, as far as the age group is concerned. Um, I will say I enjoyed the book. I enjoyed the uh, I enjoyed the the craziness of Vidian, uh, Skelly, all of them. Um, uh, I, I will say that uh, being a fan of the show Rebels, also, I don't think this book is a must read. Like you're not going to miss anything if you just watch the show. Uh, however, if you want to get more in depth uh, view of how certain characters, I mean, because characters like uh, Skelly, uh, Zaluna, you know, Skelly dies in the book. Zaluna doesn't die in the book, but I'm pretty sure we'll never see her again. Um, or so far, we haven't seen her again in anything. Um, so those are, you know, sort of those one-off characters. Obviously, Vidian dies. Uh, we will see Ray Sloan again in things. Um, uh, she's kind of a pivotal person in the Empire, uh, uh, but I won't get into how. Um because this is sort of the beginning of her career. But as far as it being like, are you going to miss out completely on a huge story implication thing? 
Uh, if you don't read this book, no. If you want to enjoy a good story and don't mind that it is kind of a one-off, absolutely pick up this book and read it. It's it's a good time. But that being said, uh, do you have any shout-outs? Uh, just shout-out again. Uh, I want to shout-out my wife. Uh, thank you today. Um, this uh, 4th of July weekend, while she took my daughter and her brother to go see fireworks, I sat in and worked on church music stuff. And then today, uh, I sat in my room and listened to this book all day. So thank you for allowing me to do that without um, without wringing my neck, <laughs> going all vidian <laughs> on me. Um, oh, man. <laughs> So I want to shout out her and my baby, um, Anya. And uh, I want to shout out uh, a friend of mine, Alan Wimmer. Uh, he, I told him he's a, a client of ours at the barber shop. Um, and I told him he, he's, he's probably the authority on anything that is in a comic book period. And that's Star Wars, Marvel, DC. If, if it's in comics... He knows it, and uh, I told him, I was like, maybe you could check us out and tell tell me what you think. He came to the shop the other day, and he's like, so I've listened to all everything but your Father's Day episode. I got I to gotta catch up. Or maybe he was listening to the Father's Day episode. It was Ahsoka. He said, I've listened to everything but Ahsoka, and that's just because I want to read the book first. So uh, he just totally caught up in a week's time listen to all of our episodes so i wanted to give him a shout My out man um i told him i said if if we ever do there's a marvel comic that i would love to do as either a flesh the format or a uh, for the book um a, a whole comic series i'd like to do and i i told him he needs to uh, be our guest for that show because he's probably he'd probably carry the whole show but uh Anyway, I just want to shout him out. Thanks for listening. And uh, anybody else, all the other fans that are listening every week. Alan, I'm sorry. I I hope you don't feel like you were just directly compared to Brisket. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. Uh, I want to also shout out all the listeners out there. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, You're driving the the reason we do this and um yeah so uh, specifically all the listeners who have joined the rotm radio discord who have been hanging out and talking and stuff we appreciate it keep that up we think it's awesome and uh yeah and for anybody who's just downloading the podcast and listening you're awesome too um i also want to shout out zach's wife and baby um and that's pretty much it for me do you guys have anything else before we completely are done no all right, fantastic. Um, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to uh, access the book, A New Dawn, uh, you can do so via our favorite retailer, which is Amazon, by clicking on the Amazon link on rotmradio.com. Uh, you can search A New Dawn uh, and buy in paperback, or if you want to do the audiobook, click on our specific, uh, go to rotmradio.com and click on our Audible uh, free trial and uh, you get a free book with uh, with the free trial and audible does free books every month and you can also if you just don't like a book you can turn around and uh, uh, get it back or uh, 
give it back up to one year um, with no questions asked. It's a really great product. Uh, and if you do that through the links on rotmradio.com, we get a little bit of a kickback from that. We appreciate it. Uh, that being said, I'm going to go ahead and wrap up here, but I just want to leave everybody with just a thought. Um, a quote from the book that I, I purposely left out for just this time. People out there in our world might be scared, uh, not really knowing what's going on. But I wanted you to remember this quote from the character of Zaluna. Maybe it's time for people to be their own Jedi. They weren't gods, just people like us who saw a need. If they could find a way, I'm sure we can. Boom. Thank you very much, everybody. We'll see you next week when we talk about Firefly Part 2. May your best yesterdays be your worst tomorrows. And remember, don't shake the mic. <laughs>